Um, we are excited to be joining you today. Uh, my name is Peggy Ployer, and I'm the founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, and I have a guest with me today, and we're going to talk about getting started in homeschooling and sharing stories. Um, so Don Spence is the teaching manager with Sped Homeschool, and I'm excited to introduce you to her because she's a very dear friend of mine, and um, so she helps with setting up everything that you see on SPED Homeschool as far as the content that we, we produce. And so um, so she just has a love for learning and a love for teaching. And um, I, I'm sure that'll come across in, in our interview today. So welcome, Dawn, and thank you for sharing your start to homeschooling um, with this Bookshark audience. Thanks, Peggy, for having me. And um, it's definitely a subject I have a lot of heart about, so... Um, it's something that I enjoy very much, so um, I'm glad to share our story. Yeah, so I'd like you to just get started by telling a little bit about you and your family, and and then what made you consider homeschooling? Um, I'm a, we have a family of five. We have a son that's 13, about to be 14, and we have twin daughters that are 11. Mm-hmm. And um, both my husband and I are public school teachers, and... Um, we were just going to take our kids and put them in public school with us when they got right. to the age. And makes sense. <laughs> um, my kids were going to come to school with me and I taught special ed right before I had my daughters and everything was going to go the way, it, you know, we had planned, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, in steps God and he has different plans for us sometimes. So I was like, okay, so this is plan B. So plan B was, uh, once we had our girls and one of my daughter has special needs, um, more medical needs, uh, we didn't know about the learning as much at the beginning, but as, as much as development, but, um, we knew that we were going to have to be more hands on with her and in, um, being in the public school, I knew that in a special ed classroom, that would be very hard for her to get her needs met. And, um, she wasn't verbal and I didn't want her to go somewhere where she was, not going to be able to express what was going on. So at that point we just decided, uh, keep the girls home and homeschool them. And my son went to school for, uh, two years. Um, that was a long two years. I wanted him (laughs) home with me. Um, (laughs) he had a lot of challenges as far as behaviors in the classroom. Uh, the police visited their classroom one time he came home and he had had cuts. He had, you know, scratches, he was getting in trouble for things he wasn't even doing. Mm. Um, At that point, I was just like, we, you know, we need to pray about this. And so we decided the next year he was going to be home with us. And it was interesting. I sat down with the principal who also homeschooled his children. So (laughs) we had a big long conversation about curriculum right there as I was withdrawing him from school. So and that was our journey, and it's been going on for eight years. He, the first year I taught him, he was in second, and he is in eighth year. He's in eighth grade, so I'll be having a, a high school freshman next year. Wow, that's exciting! <laughs> a little stressful, but it's still exciting. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a different. It's a little different. I'm trying to plan for that ahead, and I'm like, I'm so used to having everybody do you know, certain things together. So yeah, just a little change, but um, thank goodness you have time for all that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's good to point out to all new homeschoolers is you have time. Um, you don't have to rush into it. And I know a lot of the articles that you've written on our website 
talk about that and just not rushing into it because you make a lot of mistakes when you rush and yeah. just taking your time and doing it right the first time and step by step and don't have to do it all when you get started. So, um, exactly. So as far as, you know, advice, a lot of people give you advice when you start homeschooling. Um, what did you, do you consider the best advice given to you when you started homeschooling? I would say is make sure that you know that, that your child learns in their own pace and their own time. And that, you know, we're taught by public school uh, here in Texas, we have something called the TEKS and you're supposed to be at a certain level by a certain time. And, you know, I think back to my home, you know, my public school teaching, I always had those kids that weren't there that needed that small group time who who weren't on the same level. It just didn't mean that they couldn't do it. They just needed maybe uh, more enrichment, maybe a more hands-on approach than the other kids. And so learning that as a homeschool mom, if your kid is not getting it, you know, stop and think about, okay, so maybe they need it taught to them maybe through a visual video. Maybe I'm not explaining it. So go find a video or maybe they need a manipulative and I'm just not, you know, so just realize that your kid, you know, may not get it the way everybody else does Mm -hmm. and in the time that everybody else does, but that's okay. And the beauty of homeschooling is is that you have that time. Um, We, you know, we do for mastery. I think that's a lot of the difference Mm -hmm. between homeschooling and public schooling is that when you're in public school, you have to rush through to get through a certain timeline by, by the end of the year. So homeschooling, you set your timeline, you know, if you need to school during the summer because you didn't get math done, that's okay. I mean, you need to do it to mastery so that you know that your child is ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point that, because I think the tendency is to bring that mentality of we've got to do one grade level at one in one mm-hmm. year or with that nine months span and um, there's so much flexibility to take advantage of that and not feel the pressure of we've got to do this grade level for this child because this is how old they are Um, exactly yeah and and mix it up if they're a different grade level for a different subject that's okay exactly exactly because you meet them where they are and not by what society thinks they should be because you know, you, you think about all of us, we are gifted in some areas more than others. So maybe your English is like at a 12th grade level and you're only in sixth grade. Well, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Don't limit that child, but then don't yes. punish them for not being as far in math. So it's a give and take. So that's, that is the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, yeah. There, there will always be those ups and downs and pluses and minuses and, and to be, be mindful of that as a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you was, uh, and I have both learned through homeschooling our kids is that we learn to study our children and exactly. find out what they need. And then we're almost the conduit of that, giving them what they need so that they can improve on their skills. Exactly. They can't force it. No, that's yeah. I know <laughs> probably you as I, that the whole, can I get them caught up is kind of makes you cringe. <laughs> 
Yeah. Caught up to what? Right. <laughs> you know, um, what, you just brought up something that makes me, I think one of the most exciting things about homeschooling is that I know my kids' gifts and talents. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know that I would know them as much if I hadn't spent in and out with them every day and giving them opportunities to um, cook or draw or do these things that, you know, we may not ever know that they have a talent for. Right. Cause they're rushing them off to school and then we're bringing them home and we're doing homework and then we're putting them in yeah. bed and we're getting up in the morning and doing this. And they don't have that freedom to explore exactly. and learn those things that are outside the curriculum, which yeah, we do have to embrace. Yes. Very important. So we all have challenges. <laughs> Sometimes we have challenges, you know, after we've started homeschooling and we're in the middle of it, but what is one of the biggest challenges you face to either your child, your family, or you personally in your homeschooling journey? And how did you overcome that challenge? I think especially with my youngest daughter realizing that there was not going to be a curriculum that's going to, was going to fit her needs and that I needed to um, see where she was. And, and for a while there, I made my own things up because nothing I found Uh, met her needs and she needed a lot of sensory things so we used a light table we used kinetic sand we used whatever it took to get her to be an active learner Mm -hmm. I remember in the beginning I was like oh we're gonna do a calendar and we're gonna sit down and do circle time and she screamed through the whole thing and I'm like why am I doing this she's not ready for this so I think the mindsets of what we think, oh, well, this is the way it was. This is what I should do. And go, well, it's okay if it doesn't work. If I want to be outside to do hopscotch to teach, you know, numbers, then you do that. You have to, you know. And so in the beginning, I think what kept me behind was my teacher mentality of I knew the way that it should go. And, you know, and it's like, um, letting that teacher hat go away mm-hmm. and let the uh, creative homeschool mom hat come back on. Yes. Creative. I think that's a really good word. And us that have struggling learners have to be all the more creative and resource oriented um, and, and willing to, to change things up and not be so stuck to, you know, to that curriculum where you just open it up. And it's supposed to just magically happen. It normally does not. <laughs> no, it doesn't just magically fall out of the pages and boom into your head. But, you know, I think as parents, we, we go online and we look and we're like, oh, that, you know, and giving your, yourself permission to, to um, if you don't like something, to change is a big thing, too. I mean, it, Mm-hmm. there's so many parents that are new to homeschooling that a lot of the times if you call some of these curriculums um, their offices and say look I just want to see if this is going to work for my child I mean maybe they'll give you some um, just some freebies so you can see because you don't want to invest all a bunch of money into something that's not going to work for your child right yeah yeah and and a lot of times I think what we get to, especially people in our community, get to a point where you find a curriculum that has the same kind of teaching mentality, but you really use that almost as a guide, mm-hmm. not the bedrock truth about what you do every day, but it's kind of this framework that you teach from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then you just add in. And, and that's what's so exciting about the blogs that we have on our, our website as well as the, the videos on our YouTube channel that um, that helps parents to, to figure out how to do that. And so I just encourage you to, to go there to look for those resources. Um, so were there any homeschooling misconceptions? I mean, yes, you talked about this teacher mentality you had um, that you had to put aside to be effective. Um, and then what advice do you have for parents if they just, they struggle with letting go mm-hmm. of school, of that, you know, this is what we're supposed to do in school. I know I've heard a lot recently from a lot of parents is, how do I make my child sit for an hour and a half? And I'm thinking, you make them sit for an hour and a half? <laughs> so, so how do we get ourselves out of that box that school is not learning is not school and that's not what we should be bringing into our homes yeah and my kids do like structure I mean mine I notice when I get too loosey-goosey with them it goes a little haywire but Mm -hmm. and that's the whole thing too you have to look and see where your kids are but I know when my kids were little we would do a subject and we would go outside and play and I'd set a timer and then we would come back and then we would do that. Or we would go on nature walks and and use that time to learn. Or we would sit down at the table and do a science project because that was going to learn two or three things. So mm-hmm. just, you know, I think the big part of it is you have to think about how, how do I learn best? Do I learn best sitting down? You know, as a school teacher, they would tell us that, oh, come sit, you know, for a faculty meeting and you would be sitting there for two hours. And, and you know what? My brain shut down. Mm-hmm. Even after 30 minutes, I was like, can I be done here? Right. How are kids? How are <laughs> You're kids? an adult. <laughs> yes. And I'm an adult and I should be able to handle myself. Well, you know, we, we are human. We need to get up. We need to move. We need to be interactive. We need to, you know, um, you know, my son does science and yes, sometimes science, you know, there's going to be subjects where you're not going to be able to make it whatever. So I got him the audio book. And so just changing up things, if your kids are having a hard time, mm-hmm. like, do your harder subjects in the morning, then have your lunch break and then do some easier stuff in the afternoon. If that helps to break up your day. Um, I mean, maybe your, your younger kid needs a book read to them and your older one is going to a little antsy, go have them sit on the couch and read together. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to look like the traditional, you know, which is kind of funny, like before my son left public school, they were giving all these kids little fidget things. And okay, why were they giving them fidget yes. things? Because mm-hmm. we're not meant to sit for hours and hours and hours. We're meant to get up and move. And, um, you know, we used to do brain gym in my classroom. And like, so everybody's been sitting for a long time, get up and do some jumping jacks. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know that if we cross over and we have activity and we cross over midline, we're engaging all parts of our brains. The more that we move and we um, get get things going that I, you know, the more we're going to we're going to learn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many studies that show that if um, if you just get a kid active, how much mm-hmm. their brain is then able to absorb more than if just you just force them to sit there and you keep 
keep going. So that's that's great advice. And I know there's a lot of good resources out there for parents. You can just search um, ways to, to get active or brain gym type, type activities. There's a lot of kid. Um, there's a lot of kid yoga uh, videos. You could take that and put that into a um, maybe. You know, if you know that science was really hard for your child, then do something active before so they kind of got their brain engaged. I know with my daughter with her sensory, we would we had an indoor swing in our house at one point when she was little, mm-hmm. and we would put her on the indoor swing, and then we would go do school with her. Because she was integrated, she was ready to go, mm-hmm. and she was ready to face whatever we had for her. So, that's great advice. Yes, this, that that sensory diet that mm-hmm. we forget so much about that our, our kids don't just need stuff in their head, but they need everything moving all at the same time too, mm-hmm. and we do too. So, um, yeah. So this is the the thing that Don is so good at. I'm going to ask you to to just give us your top things, the things that you use to schedule, organize, and teaching techniques in your homeschool that you have found work well for your family, which I know they might work for other families, but this is something that Dawn writes about a lot, and she has so many great ideas. So <laughs> why don't you share with us your, your top ones? Um, for my two older kids who are self-starters, who, well, they don't always want to self-start, but can they self-start? Yes, they can. I uh, I do a clipboard for them. It has each of their subjects and what their responsibilities are for the week. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've told my kids, if you want to do all your math on Monday, as long as by the end of the week, you have all those things completed, I'm mm-hmm. good with that. Um, and then I have like a little rolling cabinet. I have each of their subjects in there. So it's all organized for them. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of how we do it. And they know I pretty much follow the same structure of our group. We do have a group time where we do Bible together. We do history and, and those times. So they kind of know that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, the most exciting big change for me this year was taking my daughter's IEP goals and breaking them down into days like I used to do when I taught public school. So on certain days, we're working on certain things. So I made like a schedule and I highlighted all the things I wanted her to do, but I only make her do certain things on certain days so that she's not bogged down and I'm not bogged down. Mm -hmm. And then I have them in little um, magazine holders. And then I just pull everything out for the week and I put it in those things so that when Monday comes, I've got it labeled Monday. I got a a labeler, you know, this Mm -hmm. year, like my eighth year. So, you know, I will try to... Like this year, I feel like I'm the most organized. I don't know if I had more time because of COVID or the summer to sit in. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I feel like um, I have a folder for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Anything that we're going to do, mm-hmm. I put it in those folders. I made magazine holders for everything and put all their the states that we're learning, the presidents, the everything. Mm-hmm. And I do try to go out two weeks in advance and be prepared for all the copies and everything so that I can go to after school in the day, I can go and turn school off and become the mom. And I don't have to sit out and, you know, and keep doing school and school because you will get burnt out. I remember in the beginning I was doing school 24 seven and 
I was crying, they were crying, nobody was happy. And so <laughs> learning how to, okay, that part's over. Mm -hmm. You've got all of our checklists done. You can go to your room and read or, you know, play a game or, you know. And that's the other thing. Games are a great way of learning. If your child is struggling with, um, mm -hmm. like, remembering things, play memory. Memory is so great to get that executive function going. And it'll carry over to their other other subjects as well. Mm -hmm. Cards are a fun way to learn your numbers if your kid's struggling, you know. Mm -hmm. oh, play yeah. Yeah, deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can take that anywhere you go. Right. Yes. Yeah. We had Uno was our staple for a long time. <laughs> yes. Uno and Uno they make with like Unicorn Uno and Minion Uno. So if your kiddo is very intrigued about a certain thing, go to Amazon.com. You can buy, buy them just about with any um, subject. Wow. I didn't know that. That's something new. <laughs> Yes, we have a unicorn Uno in our house. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, anything you can do to spark interest and fun. and But I love that suggestion about being organized and giving yourself that time to be mom instead of just teacher. Because I think we do, we go overboard and we think that, you know, now my whole child's future depends on me and I've, I've got to, like, make this school happen where the problem is, is the majority of who your child needs you to be is mom, mm -hmm. not teacher. And, um, and we forget the importance of that relationship and what our kids need from us and that over us being their teacher. So. Yeah. What's funny my kids in the beginning were like, I need some time with you. I'm like, I was with you all day. And they're like, but you were teaching us. And it was like, oh, okay. The, so they want me to be mom and not teacher. Mm -hmm. Also, they want me to not be teacher to not. So we have to do anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like tomorrow we're going to start. Are you testing people. me now? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> A great advice that I got to from another homeschooling mom that was very seasoned. And that's one thing I would encourage uh, you new moms to do is go look at and don't go to the ones that are pulling their hair out that are about to quit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> go find someone that's going to encourage you. Now they're going to tell you, like, I think all of us had days where we cried because it just didn't go well. And you're like, is public school calling my name? You know, we all have those days. Um, but this season mom was saying, okay, you know how yesterday went and you woke up and you wake up the next morning and you know, it's not going to go well. Mm. She's like, Use it as a documentary day. Use it as a game day. And as long as you're the one that made that choice, then you're still guiding them. She's yeah. like, just don't let them rule how your school's going to go, which I thought was great advice because, you you know, you still have to be in the place where I know a lot of moms say, well, I don't know how you homeschool. My kids would never listen to me. But they listen to you to go to bed. They listen to you to, to do right. other things. So... It's just how you frame it. Yes, that's that's so true. And and yes, and you kind of fall into that mode. I know, I don't know how many years it took your kids, but, you know, my kids at some point woke up and said, well, school is what we do. 
You know, it's just, that's what we do during the weekdays when dad's at work, we do school. And, um, but it takes a while. You have to develop that habit and be consistent. And that's the hard mm-hmm. part. <laughs> yes. I think taking to, you know, we usually take off when David, you know, my husband's home over the holidays. So we've been off for two weeks. So tomorrow is all about reminding myself that we will have to have grace, you know, because <laughs> starting back and yeah, nobody, everybody, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I remember as a public school teacher, you'd go back and you'd be like, oh, the kids have been home for two weeks. I've been home for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so started easy, started light. I don't always remember to do that. Somebody yeah. gave great advice the other day that maybe start one subject or, you know, do some of their schoolwork with them that you will normally wouldn't do just, just kind of help them ease back into it. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And even for getting started, that's a great, great thing to do is just don't just give that subject to them, be with them and walk through those steps, especially if it's new and be able to answer those questions and sort it out. I know a lot of times I'm confused when we look mm-hmm. at new curriculum. And it, so it, instead of just throwing them to the wolves and saying, we'll figure it out, um, let's figure this out together. It's kind of like you approach it as a team. Yes. And that makes it easier. So um, I want to just touch on, before we wrap up, um, you had mentioned earlier about your daughter's IEP goals. And mm-hmm. um, I've want to let everybody know that's watching is that something that we help parents with a free template and a guide on our website is how to write a homeschool IEP. But um, can you just give us a, some, a summary of the advantages of doing that and why you do it for your daughter? One thing that I think that we all forget is how far our kids come. Um, even with my daughter, um, you know, she was nonverbal for so long and we've been doing therapy since she's been little. And sometimes you forget that the strides and how they've grown, but it also helps you to see what is the next step. You know, sometimes, you know, learning happens in steps and a lot of times it's when they're ready for it. And sometimes we want to rush into the concrete learning before we've we need to finish up with a concrete one before we go into the abstract. So mm-hmm. breaking down big goals into little pieces helps you make sure that you're meeting all the parts that make it concrete for them before they have to get to the point where everything's abstract and they have to know these, these concepts that maybe they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it a lot to work with my therapists as well. We uh, do a really good job of, collaborating on figuring out what my daughter's needs are so that we can figure out what is this next step? What should we be challenging? And um, because sometimes it gets complacent. We think, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, my child's doing okay because they, you know, they're doing the best they can. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we have to challenge them because they will come up to where we, you know, where we want them to be instead of just letting them, you know, I think as long as the kids are learning and they haven't plateaued, you should just keep pushing. And I think those Mm -hmm. IEPs help you to keep pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, this year I'm doing something new that I haven't done is I'm doing to do some quarterly reports. 
and I did that. And um, I do running records, reading records when she reads. And um, so I can kind of see where she's struggling. And I made some games off of those. So IEP goals and data help you know where your child is struggling and what you can do the next step to help them. So I made a lot of new games that we'll, we'll start some tomorrow. And then it showed me how far, you know, are we going towards our goal? Do I need to change something up? Do I need to do something differently? And um, plus makes me see all the great stuff she's doing and get excited that knowing she's doing great. She's learning. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's great to point out. I, um, Cause a lot of, that's a big question. A lot of parents ask us when they see that on our website, that we have a template and a guide. They're like, well, why would I do that? Why, you know, that's just a bunch more paperwork for me, but, um, but you really broke it down concisely. And I love that is that we sometimes we, Otherwise, we look at an issue our child's having and we either say they're not working hard enough or they, um, the curriculum is bad, all of it, let's throw it all out. And yet, if you can get down and collect that data, you can see much more of what is really happening. And, uh, but it does, it takes some study and some, some taking apart. Well, I think it helps you develop patterns too. Like, see, there are some patterns. Maybe your child has dyslexia, and you, on top of having another issue, but if you don't have that data to look at it and say, "Oh, they always get these letters," mm-hmm. no matter if it's a Monday or a Thursday, they're always not there. So, it helps you develop, uh, see your patterns and figure out things that maybe you're not seeing. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Don. This has been so informative, and I hope our audience has enjoyed it as much as I have. Always um, going back through all these things that um, you have so much wisdom with. Um, and I just want to thank again Bookshark for giving this opportunity for us to share. Um, and you can find more um, from us at Sped Homeschool by visiting our website at spedhomeschool.com. And uh, and like I said, we have tons of resources there. And so thank you, Don, for sharing. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see you on on the Sped Homeschool website. So bye, everybody. Bye. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.